In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. It is written, the stone which the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Therefore Jesus said to the chief priests and Pharisees, the kingdom of God will be taken from you and given to a nation bearing the fruits of it. And whoever falls on this stone will be broken, and upon whomever it falls, it will grind him to powder. In the parable of the two sons, which uh, if we hadn't done St. Michael's Day last week, you would have heard the parable of the two sons last week, uh, but also especially today in the parable of the wicked tenants and the cornerstone, Jesus is exhibiting the twofold pride of the chief priests and the Pharisees. In the first place, their pride against their fellow man, and in the second place, their pride against their God. In the first place, Jesus reveals to them the pride they take in themselves against their fellow man. In the parable of the wicked tenants, they are prideful against the Gentiles. They cannot imagine a scenario in which the kingdom of God is given to the Gentiles and taken away from them who are Jews. Uh, and in the parable of the two sons immediately before this, Jesus exposed their pride even against some of their fellow Jews, specifically uh, the tax collectors and the prostitutes. In both cases, though, Jesus makes it abundantly clear that for all their efforts, the chief priests and the Pharisees did not merit any special grace or favor with God through their efforts under the law. Although they may have fooled others with their pious lies, they were not able to fool God. He will not be mocked. Jesus, of course, knows their wicked hearts, and he knows that they are no less sinful than the publicans and the prostitutes. And as it stands, in a sense, they are worse, not by their deeds, but by their lack of faith. For they do not recognize their sin, and they lack the humility that repentance requires. And so they reject the forgiveness that Jesus has come to give to the whole world, even to them. And so the tax collectors and the prostitutes, on the other hand, they heard the preaching of John the Baptist. They heard the preaching of Jesus, and they repented. The Gentiles heard the preaching of the apostles, especially Paul, and they repented. And therefore, the tax collectors, the prostitutes, the Gentiles received forgiveness aplenty, even while the chief priests and the scribes rejected Jesus. In the second place, Jesus reveals the pride of the priests and the Pharisees against their God. Their rejection of Jesus does not consist in their failure to recognize him for who he is, their rejection of Jesus consists precisely in their recognition of Jesus and their stiff-necked refusal to believe that God is actually as merciful as he promised to be, even in the Old Testament. They desired a Messiah who comes to reward them for their efforts under the law as though they had kept it perfectly. 
They want a Messiah who condemns the publicans and the prostitutes. They want a Messiah who restores the earthly kingdom of Israel to its place high above the earthly kingdoms of the Gentiles and a Messiah who gives them their rightful spot at the top in that kingdom. In other words, they want the Messiah according to their own terms and not the terms God himself sets forth in the words of the scriptures. They would rather ignore the prophecy that the nations, the Gentiles, would come to the light of Christ. They don't want to pay attention to the prophecy that Jesus comes to bind up the brokenhearted and the distressed, that Jesus comes to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor to those who are enslaved in sin. And so, since they want their reward, not according to the grace of Christ, but their reward in their pride for their keeping of the law, Christ in the gospel today describes their reward under the law for them. Here's what they've merited according to the law. As for their prideful breaking of the second table of the law against their fellow man, their reward is that the kingdom of God is taken away from them and given to a nation who bears its fruits. The Lord looks favorably upon those who humble themselves under his mighty hand, and he exalts them, even those who are immensely wicked in the eyes of the world, like tax collectors and prostitutes. And as he exalts the humble, he scatters the proud in the imaginations of their hearts. Therefore, the kingdom of God was taken away from the scribes and the priests, and it now consists of tax collectors, sinners, and yes, even you Gentiles. And their pride against God and the first table of the law is rewarded in this way. Our Lord takes the stone that they reject, that son whom he, the vineyard owner, sent so graciously to the tenants, and he makes him the cornerstone. And he does this precisely by means of their rejection. They drag our Lord outside the city. They affix him to a cross with the prideful thought that by so doing they would keep the kingdom for themselves. And in that very action, Christ is made the cornerstone of the church, that is, the true Israel and the true kingdom of God. The pride of the chief priests and scribes meant Christ's humiliation. But Christ's humiliation means our glory. Christ, the crucified one, is our cornerstone. It is a, he is a stumbling block which breaks the unbelieving Jews to pieces and a rock of offense, which a moronic stone which grinds to powder the Gentiles who seek the wisdom of the world. And yet for us who are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ is the cornerstone without which the whole thing comes crashing down. So thanks be to God that we Gentiles have been brought into the church as glorious as it is militant. Thank the Lord that he has so worked in you through his word and his spirit that he has curbed your pride and forgiven your pride by his blood and that you have not fallen into unbelief and rejection of Jesus as did the chief priests and the scribes. Give thanks to God for this, but do not be deceived. Let he who thinks he stands take heed, lest he fall. 
the same pride that led to the rejection of Jesus by the chief priests and Pharisees is a threat even to us. So do not think that you are somehow more holy in yourself because you did not physically have Christ crucified as they did. This is the same sort of pride against your fellow man that led to the kingdom being taken away from them and given to you. And do not be so prideful against God so as to think that God wants to be merciful to you but not to the chief priests and the Pharisees. Otherwise, Christ will become a rock of stumbling and breaking and crushing for you. And so, dear Christians, fellow Gentiles according to the flesh, hear the word of the Lord through St. Paul to the Gentiles at Rome. If some of the branches were broken off, and you, although a wild olive shoot, were grafted in among the others and now share in the nourishing root of the olive tree, do not be arrogant toward the branches. If you are, remember, it is not you who support the root, but the root that supports you. Then you will say, branches were broken off so that I might be grafted in. True enough. They were broken off because of their unbelief. But you stand fast through faith. So do not become proud, but fear. For if God did not spare the natural branches, neither will he spare you. Note then the kindness and the severity of God. Severity toward those who have fallen, but God's kindness to you provided you continue in his kindness. Otherwise you too will be cut off. And even they, if they do not continue in their unbelief, will be grafted in. For God has the power to graft them in again. For if you were cut from what is by nature a wild olive tree and grafted contrary to nature into a cultivated olive tree, how much more will these, the natural branches, be grafted back into their own tree? Though the kingdom of heaven was taken away from the unbelieving Jews because of their unbelief and given to you a people producing its fruit, the unbelieving Jews are able also to be brought back into the kingdom of heaven if through the preaching of the word their holy, the Holy Spirit converts them from unbelief into faith. But this is no reason to fear. God certainly is able to graft them back into the tree from which they were cut, but that is not a threat for you. There is plenty of room on Christ's olive tree and there is plenty of nourishment from Christ, who is the root for all, wild olive branches and natural olive branches alike. So do not be prideful, but in humility, pray that God would keep you in his vineyard as he has placed you this day. Pray that through his sheer grace, you would receive Christ, his son, and those whom Christ now sends to you to preach to you, Christ the crucified one is the way of salvation, which he does completely as a gift. And pray also that God would bring back those from whom the kingdom has been taken away. There is room for all in Christ's vineyard. There's room for all within the hedge that he has planted. And the winepress flows abundantly with the blood of Christ, blood which he shed for our sins and not for ours only, but for the sins of the whole world. 
In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.